0: Hello, 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 people watching. To those of you on the podcast, hello to podcast listeners. This is Roll for Persuasion, a weekly show where I, Andrew, your host, get to chat with awesome, creative people in the uh, nerdy gaming space. And it's so exciting for me. Um, literally, the show is a vanity project because I just want to talk with cool people. And it's a great excuse to get to do that. And weirdly enough, people keep saying yes. I have one of those awesome people who said yes joining me today. And we will get to her in a just a moment, so excited to talk with her. But first, I did want to make sure that you know that this show is brought to you by my very wonderful friends at Hero Forge. Um, you probably know them, you probably love them, I sure do. Hero Forge is the amazing platform and tool that lets us create custom miniatures for our tabletop games. And like, they're coming out with so much content. I think it's every week on Tuesday they drop some random new thing. A few weeks ago you could add new arms to your characters if you wanted like a six armed something, you could do that. They're nerds. We've had people from their team on here before. They love this stuff just like we do. And so if you want to make a miniature that really reflects your characters, your NPCs, maybe you just are like me and you want to go on and make cool things that you're never actually going to buy, you can do that too. So go to HeroForge.com, check them out. They have a great painting tool where you can digitally paint your character and then they'll print it in color through some sort of weird eldritch magic and send it to you. Um, so we're very appreciative, not just of what they do for the show, but making gaming more cool at our table. So thank you to Hero Forge for supporting us at the show, but really supporting us as gamers. Big shout out to them. As always, if you're watching or if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you're following us at Roll Persuasion on Twitter. Go to rollpersuasion.com to see any and all updates from the show. Some really cool news coming up very soon from the role for Persuasion team that you're not going to want to miss. How do I know you're not going to want to miss it? Because I told you, and I'm the one with the microphone, so I get to say what I want. But uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up, and I really hope you guys will be a part of it. But without any further ado, let us go ahead and get to the woman of the hour who is joining us here today. So excited to get to chat with Ellie Collins today, storyteller for ATL by Night, Uh, my first game of vampire storyteller, just an all-around super cool person. Ellie, what's going on?
1: I'm so excited to be here right now.
0: I'm so excited to have you. Uh, I, I am just so appreciative of like what you do in the gaming community um, that I, I'm, I'm just so pumped to get to talk. Like I'm, I'm really, really excited about uh, the time that we have coming up to just chat and hang out.
1: Absolutely. And it was so fun to be your first storyteller
0: and and, and we'll talk about that. I, I, I think that like uh, everyone else in that game, you know, we'll get to that game. Uh, this is called a tease. We will chat about that in a few minutes. How about you tell people real quick uh, who you are, what you do? Um, what's your thing?
1: So I am Ellie Collins. Uh, as he said, I am the storyteller for ATL by night. Uh, we are a Vampire the Masquerade V5 game set in the city of Atlanta. And we are currently in our fourth season. Uh, right now, we air every Tuesday. And I have been involved in TTRPG for probably 23 years now. I uh, got started with Vampire, and I do D&D as well, and a lot of indie games.
0: And and Vampire, I think, is a thing we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, because it's just such an amazing, um, amazing system. Like, uh, like we mentioned, the tease is paying off very quickly. Um, Twitch, what are you doing? Why are you giving me errors? Just go away and be nice. Um, so uh, Vampire the Masquerade, let's do this. For people who don't know, because I think typically I did not intend for it to be this way, but my show is often talking with people about D&D um, just because it's it's very uh, ubiquitous in the gaming world. So it's very easy to talk about. Um, so tell people real quick, what is Vampire the Masquerade?
1: So Vampire the Masquerade is a part of the grander world of darkness, which is a game system that focuses on the storyteller system. So unlike D&D, where you have very dice focused and very math focused, it's this is very narrative driven and it takes place in a world that is arguably parallel to ours, unless you do a different time frame. But it's more based in the real world and real world events and things can affect it or vampires could have been involved in real world events. And it focuses a lot more on the personal horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and for better D&D to vampire intro, we actually have a show that is in production at the moment called mortal's guide to darkness, which is actually a D and D focused introduction to vampire.
0: Interesting. So kind of like letting D and D be the gateway drug, if you will, and saying, okay, we can put this in your terms and uh, here's how to understand this world.
1: Exactly. Cause there are things such as like, um, certain powers you have to do. What's called a rouse check where you sort of pump up your own vampiric blood and power in order to be able to do it. Um, but not every power involves that. So for this show, we can say something as like, so this one doesn't require a rouse check. It's a cantrip.
0: Mm, Hmm. That's really good. I think that would have been helpful for me as I was trying to, well, who am I kidding? As I'm still learning the game. Um, (laughs) okay, well let's talk, let's talk about that. So we, uh, you ran a, uh, VTM game for Jasper's game day, which is a, a fantastic, um, group. I, I've played lots of games with them. Go check them out. Just, uh, go Jasper's game day on Twitter. Um, and I saw like, they gave me a list of games and I was like, okay, I'll play this D one. Can I also play in this one? Can, can I play in two? Can I play in this vampire <laughs> one with Ellie? Even though I've never, um, played before, but I would watched some ATL by night and uh, I actually, I, I produced the stream of blood vampires of Pittsburgh podcasts. So I listened to that. So I was very familiar with the game as a spectator, but it's very hard, especially in a pandemic when you're very busy to find a way to play new games. So, I very selfishly asked and they said yes. Um, and then you were very kind. I, I, I'm i probably, I think, safe in saying this when, and it's a charity game, so we typically run those one shots at like three hours. It was probably like a very, a very light taste of vampire. We didn't get a lot into like, you know, the the machinations and like, you know, stuff of, of the different clans.
1: Yeah, a lot of times with one shots, um, because vampire also can be very politically focused. A lot of the... Um, different sect communities have their own political infighting and everything that you can really delve into in a chronicle but um, or campaign and but like with one shots you really don't have as much time so for our one shot and knowing that they were primarily D&D players I decided to take you guys more on a dungeon crawl so it was a more familiar comfortable concept but let you get a taste of vampire
0: and it was awesome and uh, much like um, the vitae and vampire, I was uh, I had a taste and I was hooked, and so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to play more. But um, as as a D and D player, like that's primarily the game I play mostly, and it's a fun system and I love it a lot. Um, I don't know playing vampire was just like oh this is like the game I want to play. So like I often tell my wife, who is a fantastic backstory writer, when she makes new characters, like it is it's like reading a novel, the stuff she'll play and put together. And when I make a D and D character. I pick my race, my class, and then I figure it, everything else as I go along. <laughs> but, but when it was time to like make my character for for your game, I like sat. I wrote more for a character than I've ever written before, and I was like, I know where he's from, and I know where he's been, and I know what he cares about, and I don't. I don't know why, but for some reason, I connected with the storytelling aspect of it more than I did like in your normal D and D fantasy world. And so then getting to step into that with a group of players who are all um showing up fully at the table and a storyteller who is who's is bringing us into the moment. I mean it was it was legitimately a magical experience for me and so much fun to get to just kind of dabble in that world for a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think vampire um usually when I am asking people if they're interested in vampire, I say like, "Okay, when you play D&D, are you more interested in the role playing together, are you more interested in homebrew, you know, are you more interested in your interactions?" more so than you are battles mm-hmm. and if they say yes then I say well then come on over
0: <laughs> and I, th- I think some of the mechanics just uh I don't know lend themselves to storytelling so much better like I love mm-hmm. that resource management is like like your your hunger is essentially a resource that you manage right and I love that there's a constant tension of consequences yeah you can use a, a cool power but you might have to rouse check and your hunger might go up. And if you get hungrier, that's going to impact things. And, and, oh, you also have to manage your humanity. And I say manage, but I mean like there, it, it felt less. And then when I watch games, it seems less more like managing resources, like, uh, you know, key points and spell slots and stuff. And yeah. more of like managing your own character because a hunger level um, seems much more personal because, because it really is. It's like how like that goes up and that changes To some degree how you're playing in that moment right Mm -hmm. um and i just thought that that those mechanics are just so fantastic about how they enable that sort of deep integration with the character you're playing
1: and a lot of those mechanics were updated um when we got to fifth edition uh which is the current version that's out now Mm -hmm. which is what we played on our stream a lot of the mechanics um I feel, are very much easier to understand because they focus on uh, the narrative logic of how it works. So when you roll your hunger dice and you have to replace one of your dice with a red dice or a different dice for your hunger, that represents that the hunger is a part of everything that Kindred do. Mm. And it also adds that flavor of, like, if you get a bestial failure, that's your consequences. Your hunger took over too much. So a lot of the mechanics, uh, I feel, are... Once you get like get the general idea they're much easier to figure out because you can easily kind of rationalize why why sure. this is happening so it makes it easier to hold on to the rules i think
0: yeah that, that's a really great point because if you have a bad role in dnd like it's just like well shit, you just you rolled the die wrong right mm-hmm. but if like you have a bad role or a bestial failure or even like a messy critical or something right Like there's a reason that is present within your character impacting the dice, not just pure chance. And so it makes everything a little more integrated. Exactly. So how did you, let take us back, uh, however far that may be, you know, cue the little like flashback music. (laughs) Um, When did you, when did you get into gaming, nerdy stuff or vampire in particular? What was it that first caught your interest uh, and made you go, oh, I want to, I want to give this a try. I want to be a vampire.
1: So I was always pretty geeky. My dad was super into comic books and and anime and everything, and that carried over to me. Um, and then at around 13, I was diagnosed with OCD. And at 13, I didn't really know what was happening to me, thought I was crazy. And mm. then I had a few friends that were just the goth kids at school, and I was telling them about what happened. And they were like well, if you feel crazy, like, do you want to come hang out with us? We play this game called vampire and there's a type of vampires that they're like the crazy ones. And like, you could have fun with that. And so they brought me in to play a Malkavian and I have played clan Malkavian ever since I actually have a clan Malkavian signet ring. Wow.
0: That's super cool. So that, that would have been, I guess, back in like the nineties or whatever, right? Like, Oh yeah. (laughs) So what, what was the game like then versus now? Cause especially now, like, role-playing games are everywhere. Like it used, like mm-hmm. I know people talk about you used to have to like hide it, but like now it's not just that like everyone's like socially accepting of it. It's become a full on industry for entertainment. And so it's like seen. You, it can be a career path now. Yeah. Um, but what was it like playing, not just role-playing games in the nineties, but playing playing vampire specifically.
1: It was interesting because everyone was too busy with the satanic panic over D and D like, Everyone's too busy being mad about D&D that the the people playing vampire, they're just like, that's the weird kids that we're all black and fags like they're fine. (laughs) So we would just go over to my friend's house and we would just play at her house. And generally, we're pretty left alone about it. People didn't really talk to us.
0: So I I might be mixing games, but I feel like I've heard people talk about playing vampire, uh, you know, back in the day or whatever. And I've heard some element of, like, walking up and playing, like, rock, paper, scissors with each other. Yeah, so that's LARPing. Explain this to me.
1: So, uh, obviously, in LARPing, we don't have dice. Sure. Um, So a lot of LARPs will either institute rock, paper, scissors to decide, pass or fail, who won it. Or um, they might have cards, and you just draw from, like, a mini deck of cards to see how you did on it. And then there's a lot of hand gestures for different disciplines that you're using, like, ones to signal if you're... Invisible, or mm. you know, just different powers at play. Um, but yeah, the LARP scene was huge. I, or at least huge for me. Um, yeah. I got into LARPing, and then it was kind of just I would the LARPing community was a little more interconnected back then, I think, than it is now. Okay. Uh, because, like, I have a character that I've played for 16 years named Cassandra. Um, she was the first character I made, and so I've just kept her this whole time. Uh, no final death yet <laughs> um but and so like back in the day with larping i could just essentially email like if i knew i was going to go to chicago for something i would mm-hmm. just email one of the larps from chicago and just be like hey can cassandra come into town i'm going to be in town on these dates and then they would let me know they were having a game and then they'd be like this new person came into town so yeah. it was a lot of like inviting people into games and visiting with people and playing at conventions. I used to play at dragon con a bunch. So it was kind of this interesting community where, uh, I think in a way some of us took it too seriously, but it was because we really could like live and breathe as these characters because we had such an interconnected community.
0: So that I think actually dovetails nicely into this other thing because world of darkness is set kind of in, you know, this, real world analog, right? Um where a lot of it is set like in cities. So uh, like I said I I work with the uh, Vampires of Pittsburgh and you do uh, ATL by Night and there's LA by Night and like all the you know Vancouver by Night. Um how how is the the world of Vampire different from D&D in the sense of like Let me back this up. My impression is that there is a a more pervasive overall narrative to the world of darkness and the story that the people are all actively engaging in. Um, is, is that a correct, like, like stuff that you do in Atlanta might set some of the, the canon or some stuff for like other people? Is, is that, is that true? Or is that like a misunderstanding on my part?
1: Sort of yes. And sort of no. Okay. So there is a grander canon. um, back in the day, it used to be a little bit more strict, um, because there would be books for cities there. They're Mm -hmm. actually the last book that was written for Atlanta, I believe was just called fall of Atlanta um so there was a grander canon kind of like how how star wars eu is there were a lot of books a lot of additional info and then there is like the core canon so like around 98 to 2002 ish the dates are fuzzy was a period of time called the final nights um which was when pretty much the old game died and it went quiet for a while before we were able to get v5 um so like the final nights is a canon event it's when the more crazy fundamentalist sect took over caused a bunch of mess the fbi uh cracked like the kindred databases they led strike teams and everything and they're called the second inquisition and so like the final nights is a canon event so a lot of what happens in V five will pull off of that event. And there mm. are source books like Chicago by Night and London Has Fallen that will take from, you know, the the Grander Canyon canon of the final nights affects the stories that we tell now, but like there hasn't been any official canon for Atlanta. So we're more effectively a homebrew. Okay. So the canon provides a lot of framework. And sure. then you can do whatever you want with your city. You can even ignore the canon entirely if you want. And that's actually highly encouraged.
0: Yeah. Does having that kind of uh, the, the city centric focus of the game and being in a, in a time where there are so many actual plays and people are streaming. Does that make it easier then to have like crossover events or whatnot with other games where you can say like, oh, well, these are you, you know vampires from this other city who came in and, and are interacting with us um, because of that commonality of of the world, but still being localized to cities.
1: Yeah, that's kind of uh, one of the brilliant things about it is that since we're all technically like a lot of us streamers have become friends, Mm -hmm. so we're either able to be a part of each other, like as a guest, like I play a thin blood over on Vancouver by night um, and I go on there every now and then. Um, But then we have times where like on our show, one of our kindred reached out to someone from Vancouver to get information from them regarding something that they knew so we do Mm -hmm. kind of have this ability to sort of talk to each other reference each other um and so it is kind of nice that since we are based in like most of the mainstreams right now take place in the here and now sure um, so we can reference things together and like we could have all talked about the election at one time because that was our world And so it does allow for a lot of interconnectivity, allows a lot of crossover potential when we're able to. It's just really cool.
2: Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. And I think that kind of connects with what I was saying earlier about feeling like I had an easier time creating a character because I was essentially making someone who, you know, would live in a world I was already familiar with versus a fantasy setting. Like I don't know what Waterdeep is like. Like I, you know, like I can create a work that lives in Waterdeep, but that doesn't actually mean anything to me. But if I can draw things from history or whatever, um, it becomes more connected. And so then when when you guys are doing the shows and and you're actually connected somewhat to the actual world, there's that commonality and that common ground that you can share in your storytelling. And that that's pretty cool.
1: And it makes it fun kind of from a world building perspective too, because when it comes to DD, uh when you're the DM, you're building these more or less maps or areas from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And you know how many buildings are in this village how many people live there what's yeah. in this village whereas um with vampire i can look at the city of atlanta and go what is this thing we all know and how can i just corrupt it you know how can it be sure what you don't like you know this is different than what you think it is here is a way that we can kind of take something that people from atlanta are familiar with people even cursory familiar with Atlanta are familiar with and sort of just pull back that veil of human society to reveal darkness underneath it, which mm. can be a lot more fun because you're getting something prebuilt that you more or less get to mess with the whole time.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Are, are you, are you from Atlanta? I don't think this is doxing you or anything.
1: No, uh, I I'm originally from Alabama, but I am from Atlanta now.
0: Okay. Because, yeah, I, I, I didn't even think about that. I just assumed you were. But um, I guess you could totally just pick any city. You could be, you know, vampires of Boise if you wanted to, I suppose. But <laughs> um, is, is there something inherently fun, though, about, like, essentially living in or playing in this second world that you're walking around in Well, staying home in, like, in your, in your day-to-day life and also going, like, oh, you know what that, you know, what if, what if something happened there in the game? Or what if this event that we all know about happens in the city was in the game?
1: absolutely and we've done stuff like that like um the in atl by night elysium which is essentially a place where you can't use disciplines you can't cause fights everybody has to behave no matter who they are we have made all of those waffle houses in atlanta (laughs) because it's awesome anything weird happening at a waffle house at 3 a.m nobody cares
2: yeah that makes (laughs) total sense
1: so it definitely becomes like it's it's atlanta culture that waffle house is on every street corner here it's always a safe place that a kindred could get to. And it's just weird enough in the middle of the night that, you know, you could be relatively safe. Or like we had an episode at Dragon Con where there were second Inquisition officers hidden in stormtrooper outfits. And they came after the group in the convention.
0: And then did you guys have to run to a Waffle House? Like that's clearly the only choice uh, <laughs> at that moment.
1: One of the um one of the Malcavians actually Kind of came up as they were getting harassed and used a power to convince them to go to the roof of one of the hotels, take a selfie together, post it, and then walk off the roof.
0: World of darkness.
1: And sometimes and we've had moments on the show, too, where, like, I think one of the interesting things about world of darkness is sometimes the the darkest thing that you can think of as a storyteller is just reminding people about the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they were at a waffle house and um one of them flicked on an ability that lets them see ghosts. And I pretty much get, let him see a malnourished uh person who had starved to death behind the waffle house. And mm-hmm. that's not, you know, crazy vampire stuff. That's just the, reality of the real world and sometimes reminding people, Hey, the world itself is pretty dark. You know, uh, we've done things like on our show, we uh, handled a sensitive topic and we actually made sure to put like resource hotlines on the show. Uh, cause it's a big problem in Atlanta. We have a problem with human trafficking in Atlanta. Right. So we did an episode that touched on it and made sure to provide resources for people And even on our website, we have a link called resources against darkness and it's like bail funds and protester resources and everything just because the vampire world is dark enough in itself and the human world is dark enough without it.
0: So yeah, that actually um, that leads me into a really good question. And I will go ahead and just say, you know, potential content warning because you know, I'm going to bring up some questions about like, mental health and, and stuff like that. But, um, how, uh, how, or do you feel like the game, do you feel like the game allows you to dre- address things like mental health, um, you know, suicide, substance abuse, like like things that are very real and present for many of us in our day to day lives that, like, you know, abuse, whatever that might be. Um, do you feel like the game allows you to address that in ways that you might not be able to in any other game and perhaps even, um, I don't want to say heal, but like provide provide a place for people to interact with that stuff that's just enough from removed from the real world that they might not be able to in their day to day. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I do agree with that because and this is obviously just my personal um, this is not everybody's experience. Um, D&D, I experience bleed way more than vampire and bleed is where the the stress of it comes with you after the game. Mm-hmm. um which was why during our game we did a 30 minute post game hangout and that yeah, was too so awesome that yeah. was to assist with any bleed that was experienced but i feel like in D, the bleed hits harder because we are supposed to be heroes and we're supposed to be taking mm-hmm. on the bad and when bad stuff happens it can hit that much more because you're supposed to be a hero whereas vampire we're all terrible people <laughs> we're all monsters And so it allows kind of this way to interact with things where we may have personally, I feel um, a lot more agency against Mm. that stuff. Um, Because like for me with playing a Malkavian and dealing with my mental health, it was a safer way to explore it because in a vampire world, being crazy, um, the Malkavians, you know, you can take them a bad way or they actually are super beneficial. They can see things that other people don't. They have more of a connection to things than people do. And so I think it gives us a way to interact with all the dark and negative elements of our lives, but we have a lot more control over it because we're not trying to be a hero. If you see a horrible person committing things that are terrible, you can just beat that person up. Yeah. And so I actually get less bleed out of Vampire. I I get a lot more um, emotional exhaustion from the catharsis of it. Mm. So and I so that's what makes me feel like it's it's a very safe way to interact with dark themes. And if you're at a table with people that all understand proper consent and checking in with each other and everything. A lot of games, if I play a regular game, we have nonverbal hand signals that can just be like put up during um, during a stream as a way to like check in or to say like, Hey, please move along. Like it's too much. And then Mm -hmm. that gives me the hint as the storyteller to pull away from that situation.
0: I think it's so interesting that, um, you know, a game that is like set in the, in the literal world of darkness and engages in, um, very dark, you know, uh, raw things. Um, it's both interesting and, and kind of obvious that it would have, whether by intention or just community around it, really good safety tools in place. Um, you know, really good ways to say, hey, we recognize that we're dealing with this because you're right. I hadn't thought of it until you said it, but because the general mindset of D&D is, and there are exceptions to every rule, but is that you're a hero. Like you just, I, I think a lot of people don't naturally think about the idea of maybe we need uh, some time for aftercare, like after this session. Whereas like, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to be doing some dark stuff. Like let's make time for that. Um, even if it didn't get really dark, let's make time for that. Cause I remember after our game, you're right, like we all jumped on another call and just hung out. And I told my wife afterwards, I was like, Hey, I ran a little late, but it's because we did this really cool thing where we just took time to wind down and like and you know, kind of like reconnect and re-anchor. And I was like, I wish every game did this. Like, um, and and so it it's it's cool that uh and again, I don't know if that's coming from uh, you know, the publisher, if that's just purely built out of the community, but that a mentality around having those kind of protective guardrails in place as kind of built up around the game.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. And obviously, you know, communities are different. That's not necessarily everybody, but sure. I think the people that, that have a better storied career with the game do implement things like that because we are dealing with dark themes and the Venn diagram of people that are into alternative lifestyle communities and people that play vampire is almost a circle. So there are concepts sure. that are very familiar to us already. Um, right. So it becomes kind of easier to integrate like, well, if you would check for consent on this, you probably need to check for consent on this. Um, but that it is a actually a part of the book. Like there there are rules for cons- it's a section called rules for considerate play. And it covers like that. You should talk about consent. You should check in with your players. If if it's too much for somebody, you need to move on because we want to tell a dark story but i think anybody who's seen like a horror movie you know some you went to the movie to see a horror movie but sometimes it's just a little too much for you Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so it's it's our way of being able to say like i came for this but it's now too much or sometimes something may just hit you differently and so i think because as a community we know that we're telling a dark story we know that we're telling r-rated content we already know like this might be too much for someone.
2: Sure.
0: Let's, uh, let's throw a very random question at you. Go for it. Imagine that a sixth edition is coming out. And when did, when did fifth, fifth edition is fairly recent. Yeah.
1: Two years ago, I think.
0: Okay. Well, let's just, let's just pretend that there's a sixth edition coming out (laughs) and they come to you and they say, Ellie, what is the one thing you would change or add or make different in this new edition? Um, do you have something that comes to mind you're like oh definitely I wish blank
1: initiative
0: (laughs) that is a question I had because I was like how does combat work like and I know it's not a super combat centric game but like it seems like everyone just kind of does stuff
1: Mm -hmm. it's essentially you check with everyone what do you want to do and then it's usually viewed as things happening um all at once or roughly around the same time so it's a lot more uh-huh. discussing how the action's gonna go, and then the closest to a rule is three turns and out, which is we want to resolve this action in three turns of everybody getting to do something. um but I really like initiative from d and d it brings a lot of order to the combat so that when uh-huh. they because I just ran a vikings one shot um and I had them fighting these uh horrifically crafted from human flesh dragons and it was a pair of them and my dnd brain kicked over with like i have five players and they're fighting two dragons i don't know how to manage this yeah um so i would really like to see an introduction of initiative that's maybe a little more streamlined than dnd but something just to provide a more structured setup to combat for those who want to have that kind of combat
2: sure sure
0: does that ever does not having that ever lead to like your more vocal or outgoing players like monopolizing like the action economy if you will like oh like i do this and this and this um like does does that make sense
1: sometimes accidentally that player (laughs) uh because i've played for so long i'm like okay i'll do this and if it doesn't work i do this (laughs) um I kind of felt that
0: way in our game a little bit because I was like wait I don't think there's initiative so I was just like I'm gonna go do this thing and I'm like well now I do this and I was like I can do anything
1: essentially yeah because you know realistically if you walk into a room and there's a bunch of people that are gonna start attacking you everyone's gonna start doing their own thing right you know that's the that's the realistic side of it but um and I know I personally will I'll think too much because I am used to initiative. So I'm like, all right, I've got my action, my bonus action. Can I take a dodge right now? Like, right. Yeah. My brain is thinking in terms of initiative. Uh, so I'm sometimes accidentally that too vocal player.
0: <laughs> it happens. You know, someone has to be really. <laughs> um, well, then let's flip the question around then. Is there is there one thing from the game uh, rule a system or whatever that you would remove that you're like man this just doesn't work or maybe that you ignore Mm. and you can say no that is a valid answer
1: i'm trying to think if there's anything i would remove Uh, i don't think there's a rule i would remove but i think i would prefer a basic um like just a flat guide because the source book is a little bit dense and I do warn people uh, when it, yeah, co- it was tough. Yeah, uh, I warn people when they come in that the book is is dense. It's not formatted that great. Um, so something that could just be there is a quick start guide, but it's not it's not as like clear, concise, written as something like a DM's guide or a player's guide. Right. Um, so something that just says, like, here's how you make your character. Here's how you do your roles period like so that's something that i would prefer um, i do see in the chat a recommendation that resonance we all ignore resonance uh resonance is essentially when there is something about the person that flavors the blood so essentially like if you drink oh, from an yeah, angry I person about that yeah yeah if you drink from an angry person you're now a little bit more agitated i think resonance shouldn't be a rule i think it should just be like here's a suggestion storytellers if you want to add some flavor because i think we all ignore it <laughs>
0: Flavor is an excellent pun for resonance. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 seemed, that seems like one of those things that like I remember my first time playing D&D was with uh, a, an incredible group of people uh, because I found them on Reddit and they were willing to teach me and my wife how to play Dungeons and Dragons. But they were playing their first ever like 5e game. Um, I guess they'd been playing one of the older editions for a while. And we sat down and they were like, all right, we're going to get on the horses. How many rations do we have? Who can, what's your carrying weight? How much can you carry? This, that, and the other. And I was just like, we're going to spend 10 minutes like figuring out who can carry (laughs) enough food and how much water we need. Like, I imagine that that could very much get like, okay, well, I I go and I find this person, I drag them to the alley and I drain them. How are they feeling? What was their day like? Like, I feel like that could very quickly like bog the gameplay down of constantly having to decide, oh, well, I did eat. I ate the grumpy person earlier. Like, so now I have to shift this way. But on the flip side, you know, there are fun flavor opportunities for sure.
1: Yeah. And with flavor, I just like making jokes of different blood of different uh, clans tasting different. And I usually liken it to soda. I think somewhere I have an entire chart of what <laughs> what clan tastes like, what soda.
0: <laughs> what clan tastes like Mountain Dew?
1: Uh, closest one is Malkavians taste like Baja Blast.
0: Oh, maybe I need to play Malkavian because <laughs> that is my nectar. Um. That, that's another thing, and, and I don't want to make this just a Ellie teaches us all uh, vampire, but um, a thing that I, I also really enjoyed was this idea. So again, in D&D, you're going your, to pick your species and your class, and maybe that informs like your personality somewhat, but for the most part, that part of it's very independent. What I really liked about, um, about vampire was this idea that, that the clans are so distinct, and not only does it affect like your ability tree, of things that you can do but but it very much kind of like it, it made it easy to like pick an archetype if you will like mm-hmm. okay, you know what this 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 resonates with my personality. I can go into this so I love that idea that the different clans just had these uh things that are, are literally like breeding true through their lines right mm-hmm. that like oh throughout history this clan is behaves this way um it's such a cool mechanic um and then th- that I think also then like adds to the social elements because even though I didn't know all of that in our game, all the other players like you kind of had that understanding of like, Oh, well, now Kavians okay, act like this or look at the Ventrue. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was, that was a cool, again, it was giving some common ground yeah. that I thought enabled good role
2: play.
1: And I like it too, because it, it kind of gives you almost a, um, like you start from an understanding.
2: Yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, if you're the venture of the group, you know that you very likely are probably the leader or you're the bank. You know, if you're the Bruja, you're probably the tank of the group. Um, And so having those through lines with the clans uh, can help give you a good baseline for starting and also gives you a good community. Because, you know, if you are categorically playing Ventrue and you meet someone else who plays Ventru in the game, you have an understanding of each other right away. Mm. And you have like a certain kinship with each other you also might completely despise each other because just because you're Ventrue doesn't mean you get along, even if you understand each other. Um, I've had that with a lot of Malkavians. Like I I've met Malkavians that we don't get along at all, but like if someone says something about a Malkavian, we both immediately turn around, like, don't you dare.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I thought that was such like, just such a fun element. And, uh, and I don't know. I, I played a Ventrue in our game and I had a very bare understanding of it, but like, Just reading some of it, like then in the game, I was like, okay, I think I would probably act this way. Like it it was kind of a, it took some of that stress off me as a new player to have, like you said, that kind of like, okay, like I already know this, this framework for kind of my mentality. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? Oh, no, I
1: was just going to say, I, that's one of the things I like, because D&D, you're ticking boxes of what you're going to play. Whereas Mm -hmm. uh, vampire, I always advise people to build the human first because the rest of it will sort of fall into place for you.
0: Yeah. And that was the funny thing. Cause I made a character before i even read about clans and I was like, okay, I think he was like a banker or finance guy. And like, which naturally led me to thinking some things about how he behaved. And then when I looked at clans, I was like, Oh, well clearly this is where he would have ended up. That makes sense. So I do like that building, building the human before you build the, uh, the monster, mm-hmm. unless the human is the monster. Hmm. <laughs> uh, with that great segue. Uh, I'm going to bring up a question from one of my Patreon supporters. And oh if you enjoy this show as much as I enjoy the show, I, which is a weird way to promote that, you can go to patreon.com slash for persuasion and support the show there. You get access to specifically our zone of truth segment where um, after this stream ends, Ellie and I will keep chatting about who knows what I don't know. It's always random and that's what makes it fun. We chat about fun things. My guests are into uh, so Patreon supporters get access to that bonus segment I sent them cookies and dice for Christmas, so who knows what might happen this year. Uh, They got to join me for the birthday stream where I had on a whole bunch of different guests, and my uh, Patreon supporters got to be on the Zoom call too, and we all got to chat, and hear Ed Greenwood uh, give his beard care tips. So totally random things can happen at the Roll for Persuasion Patreon. But they also get to submit questions, and Johnny on my Patreon uh, had this one for you. He said, I've never played VTM, and I'm a little intimidated to do so, Because I feel like the community has a very specific style, namely being goth and punk and just overall very cool. As someone who has never identified or knows much about that community, is this still a game that I can play?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. VTM is for everybody. Um, I also tell people because Vampire does have this kind of uh, assumption of a certain type i am goth but i wasn't necessarily when i was a teenager i just had friends Mm -hmm. who are goth and they introduced me to it i've run one shots for like my nieces and nephews and we just run like cute little like kid games which you can still do but also kind of the thing that i love to tell people about is the world of darkness because if vampire is not your thing there is still the world of darkness which has werewolf the apocalypse mage the awakening changeling the dreaming uh i believe we've got wraith the oblivion uh then there's like demon mummy so you can kind of get whatever you need out of the world of darkness vampire in my opinion is the easiest one to start with because especially when you get to mage The book for Mage, like, I think you can't take it on a plane. I think it qualifies as a weapon.
2: Oh, my gosh. Um,
1: I've played Mage for, like, less than a year, and I still have no clue how to play.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's the way it should be, right?
1: Right. And, like, Changeling is a lot happier than Vampire. There's a lot more to Changeling. But Vampire is a good starting point to see, like, does the storytelling system work for you? Does the D10 system work for you? You know... To find out if World of Darkness is kind of a place you would like to reside in, Vampire is a good starting point. But you absolutely do not have to be Goth. One of the people on our show, uh Tyler, he plays Aaron, the Gangrel. Girl. Gangrels are kind of like, if you want to play werewolf, but you really want to play vampire. they're they're the ones that are more like animal focused and everything. Mm-hmm. And Tyler's not Goth at all. His character is a forensics detective that was embraced and so like he kind of brings more of the gumshoe aspect to it um i did a victorian ages game that was more jack the ripper based so we went more Mm. historical horror with it and i just played like a pickpocketing thief that was all i was so i think the goth voices of vampire are kind of the loudest because most of us get more done up with it uh sure but there are people from all walks of life in this community even little kids that just want to play like a vampire princess you know i've run that game before
0: <laughs> yeah that's super fun so there you go johnny we can uh, we can play a, a very ungoth uh vampire game together and we can all have fun yeah that's super fun um oh no i had a really good question and my adhd brain just let it fly away
1: oh i know that all the way too well
0: so i'll just take a deep breath together for one second and we'll see if my question comes back to me no no it's not happening it's not (laughs) happening well we'll uh we'll see if it comes back um oh it's right there has this ever happened to you where like you know it's like it's visually right in front of you this is making for great (laughs) podcast audio by the way this is ideally if you have a podcast if you can just ramble and then sit quietly for a few minutes that really pushes you right up the charts. Boom. There was, I knew if I, uh, monologue long enough, it would come back. Um, you, you run ATL by night. How long have you been doing that? You said four seasons. So a year, so a year. So um, that's been going on for a year. little over a year. So in addition to your show, which everyone should obviously check out, uh, what are other, like if people want to uh, consume vampire content or kind of dip their toes by watching stuff, what are some other great things or great shows that they can go check out to kind of you know, get into the world of darkness as a spectator.
1: So I would say starting off with LA by night is kind of the gateway for a lot of people, um, because that is the show from the official, uh, the official channel for world of darkness. And that one is run by Jason Carl as the storyteller. Mm -hmm. He's the, uh, I can't remember his exact title. He's the brand manager. Um, but he's a brilliant storyteller. And then if you go to Van City by night on Twitter, that's Vancouver by night. um, Steve, the storyteller there, actually keeps a full Google Doc of every streaming show. And so you can look and maybe there's a city near you Mm. that would interest you to watch. Or you can just kind of see who some of the bigger shows are. There's us, there's Chicago, Vancouver. There's also Bowling Green. Um, There's quite a few.
0: And big shout out to Steve, because when I was trying to make my character for our game and had no idea what I was doing, I asked for help on Twitter and he got on a Zoom call with me and he's never met me before and just called me and helped me walk through uh, making sure all of my my points were uh, allocated properly. So uh, good dude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and him keeping that list for for the whole community has been such a help because it lets all of us kind of see who else is out there and it introduces people to the broader community because there are way more streams than you think they are. And a lot of us try and help lift each other up because, and that's something that I love. If you go to hashtag family on Twitter, it's usually a lot of us hyping each other up and promoting each other and participating yeah. with each other.
0: My, my selfish hope is that someday someone who is not me, cause I, uh, fluffy, you know this, I do too much. Um, and I have too many, <laughs> I have too many projects. But uh, I would love a like a San Antonio by night or like Vampires of San Antonio game. Uh, being from Texas, because um, I think that's just a cool ass town. And so if anybody ever wants to put together a uh, you know cowboy Western you know kind of border town Western one shot
1: would be nice.
0: That could be kind of cool. I'm just saying I'm going <laughs> to speak it out into the world of darkness. And, <laughs> I'll have to uh, harass Gaming. Back.
1: They let me run the weird one shots.
0: Oh, yeah. Hey, and also, you know, while I'm shouting people out, shout out to Gehenna Gaming. They have an awesome, uh, we were talking about this before we came on, they have an awesome consent form um, that you can give to players before you run a game that uh, we used before our game that I've now used uh, in another game I'm about to be playing in. Um, if you want a really great form just to help your players think about all the things that might happen in the game and how they feel about it and get everyone on the same page, uh, super helpful. Um i looked for a bunch and theirs was the only one that i really felt like did a really great job of this so thank you guys not only for watching right now but for making great content to help us it's super great
1: absolutely and i'm gonna harass them about a western game now i'm gonna they let me run my crazy vikings one shot so i'll have to see what i can do about a western and then we'll have to pull you in on that everybody with good cowboy hats and a hearty yeehaw
0: yes (laughs) Uh, we sure can. I'll put on my spurs and everything. I don't have spurs. I used to have spurs. I'm (laughs) enough of a Texan that I have at one point owned spurs, um, and worn them to the rodeo. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome. Well, uh, like I said, and I'm going to go ahead and and promote the Patreon again. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, you support the show. Uh, not only do you get access to the segment I'm going to do with Ellie in just a few minutes, um, but you get access to the whole back catalog. So we're going to end the Twitch stream here in a few minutes but after that we're gonna keep talking and uh i don't know what about ellie what are are you into what's a hobby you have that doesn't have anything to do with vampires or maybe does
1: uh let's see here i will actually because i know i can rant on it for a little bit i will talk about monster high
0: monster high okay i don't i don't know what that is which is the best subject for these things because then i get to learn so we're going to talk about monster high I'm going to be educated. Uh, a couple episodes ago, my guest uh, taught me all about astrology and helped me figure out what my sign was. And and that was super cool because I had no clue about any of that. So I think it's a very self-indulgent section of a very <laughs> self-indulgent show. Um, so if you enjoy watching me be self-indulgent, uh, support the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. Um, but before we go, Ellie, where can people find you? Where, where can they support uh, your Patreon? How can they get involved in all the stuff you have going on?
1: So, you can find me on Twitter at Ellie underscore A underscore Collins. You can find the show on Twitter at ATL by Night. We are on twitch.tv slash ATL by Night every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are halfway through the fourth season and pretty bingeable. We keep our episodes at two hours. So, you can catch up on all four seasons pretty quickly. Uh, and we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash ATL by Night. Where starting at the $3 tier, you can join our role play play by post server where you can play on a discord server in the city of Atlanta that we have built.
0: Which I, uh, I support their Patreon and I have not done that part yet. I joined the discord, but I, am, uh, I was joking before we started about how I'm a bad millennial because I'm bad with all, all this technology stuff. I'm not great at discord. But I'm very excited to eventually figure it out so that I can I can do some, uh, you know, play by post and, and do some vampire that way. But um, it seems like just from spectating the discord, a very cool group of people, um, a just of a great community. So definitely you guys go check that out. We'll put links uh, to all of that in the show notes for the podcast. So if you're listening on a podcast, make sure you go to the show notes. You can check all those out. Click there very easily anything else anything else you want to share you want to shout out got anything cool coming Um,
1: up uh yes i will be a part of virtual horror con which is run by gehenna gaming it is february 19th through the 21st uh we are doing a lot of cool panels one shots games um this saturday i am in a one shot on gehenna gaming for demon uh we're doing a game of demon over there so it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: awesome so uh you know if you're for those of you on Twitch right now, um, I see Gehenna's in chat, so make sure you click on their profile, go give them a follow on Twitch, check them out on all the different places, and uh definitely Virtual HorrorCon. Okay, I'm I'm actually going to make a note because if I don't, I will 100 forget. Yeah, this, the schedule so.
1: for that should be coming out soon. So, and there's a lot of really cool stuff on it.
0: Awesome. So, are you uh, are you on any panels or are you just mm-hmm. playing games? Okay, so I'm if doing you want to hear panels
1: and games,
0: so if you want to hear more from Ellie, watch her play. Definitely go check out virtual horror con and if uh and if i get this podcast episode out late uh hopefully there's a vod and you can go back and oh, yeah, watch there'll be, what there'll be happened. VODs. perfect so no matter how uh untimely i am with this it's still relevant which is a win <laughs> in my book um ellie thank you so much it's been so much fun talking with you it was great to get to play with you and then have you on again i hope we get to play again together sometime absolutely. and uh explore the world of darkness a bit more
1: absolutely thank you
0: and Thank you to everyone watching uh, for those of you listening on the podcast version. I appreciate all of you taking the time to come and hear these cool conversations um, to my Patreon supporters. Uh, definitely stick around because we've got that extra bit coming up right after the outro music. Thank you for helping make the show happen. Thank you to Hero Forge who also helps the show happen. As we said at the top, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Roll Persuasion on Twitter. I'm also at Roll Persuasion on Instagram, but I don't do anything there because I'm not great at it. Um, so come hit me up on Twitter, email me rollpersuasion.com. I love chatting with you guys. Uh, so much cool stuff going on. Um, some big announcements coming up so very soon that I'm so excited about that hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I will get to share with you guys. So keep an eye out on the socials for that. But that is today's episode. Thank you for joining. And until next time, guys, enjoy your games.